0: Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 263, and it is titled 12 More Sex Myths Busted. So, uh, a couple years ago, <laughs> Celine and I did an episode, it was episode 132, and it was called 10 Sex Myths Everyone Thinks Are True. And basically, we took 10 sex myths and we busted them. So, this is kind of a follow-up to that, because it's been a few years, and I have 12 more sex myths busted. As always, my ideas for these shows generally come from things that have happened recently. So why did I decide to make another episode on Sex Myths Busted? Because I had a comment on YouTube recently where somebody was mentioning a really big myth and saying that it was true. And I thought, wow, that's absolutely not true. And I should talk about the fact that that's not true. And so that kind of inspired me to go back and find some more sex myths. So I asked some uh, colleagues in the space uh, what they thought, and then of course I got out onto the old internet and wanted to see what are some of the more common myths that we see today. Now, uh, obviously the ones that we did in the previous episode are pretty common, so uh, it's definitely worth going and checking that episode out for more common myths. So like you might be saying, well, why didn't he mention this one? probably because it was in the previous episode. And there are a lot of sex myths out there that are just really dumb. I mean, really dumb. I'm not even going to touch the ones that are that stupid, because hopefully you all listening to this are smart enough to know that those things are ridiculous. Uh, so I will not be addressing those. You know, Some of the really ridiculous ones come from these lists of like common myths about sex that teens believe. So, you know, they're, they're sort of childish things that get passed, you know, amongst young people. We will not be talking about any of those today, uh, but we will be talking about uh, some good ones. There's some really good ones here. Okay, before I get into the actual myths, Power and Mastery 3.0 is here. (laughs) (laughs) The men's sexual mastery program you have heard about on this show for a long time is now even better. I have personally reviewed every module, lesson, video, audio, and PDF to see if there's anything new that needed to be added. As a result, I have added 10 new videos, one new audio, eight new PDFs, and dozens of links to handpicked products to help support your journey to mastery. In addition, there is also a brand new user interface that makes it easier to navigate the course and find your course materials. So if you are ready to become the sexual master you have always wanted to be, then go to powerandmastery.com. That is powerandmastery.com. I am really proud of this course. I have always been. Selena and I did a fantastic job and now I feel like it's even better. Uh, It was a project that Selena and I started and I have now finished and uh, if you've been on the fence wondering whether or not this is the right program for you, now is definitely the time to get in there. So powerandmastery.com. Okay, These myths are not in any particular order. They're just kind of a brainstorming list. Some of them will be really fast. Some of them I will talk about in a little bit more depth. So here we go. Number one, orgasm is the end of sex. This one actually came from asking a colleague, and it was the very first thing that popped into her mind. I said, hey, I'm thinking about doing an episode on busting some sex myths. You got any? I mean, just... Immediately came out Orgasm is the end of sex. So that is actually a myth that you hear, and I still when I work with people say, like, well, you know, and then he had an orgasm, so we were done. Uh, okay. Isn't there anything else that could potentially be done? Of course there is. So orgasm or orgasm orgasm is not the end of sex for either men or for women. So let's talk about women quickly here. Women can have endless numbers of orgasms. And if you've ever really learned how to master your ejaculation as a man and made love to a woman for hours and taking her through these multiple waves of orgasm, you know she can have as many orgasms as she wants. You know, I've, I've had lovers who were like, I didn't think I could go anymore. Like, I was about to tap out and say I'm done, and then there was another one, and another one, and another one, right? So it is absolutely possible for women to have multiple orgasms. So obviously, having an orgasm does not mean the end of sex. Now, I started talking with women because most people are aware of that. However, they still believe that when a man ejaculates slash orgasms, uh, that that is the end of sex. So the first thing I'll say about that is this. Even if a man ejaculates and that is it, he loses his erection, that doesn't mean that the physical act of lovemaking has to stop. There's lots of other things that you can do. You can use your hands, you can use your mouth, there's, you know, there's tons of different things that you can do. You can use toys. So there's lots of other things that you can do to continue the act of being sexual with your partner. Now, I paused a little bit because that's the easy answer, right? The easy answer is, well, of course, you know, you can use a vibrator, use your hands, go down on her, whatever. You can keep the sex going. However, another part that is often misunderstood is that men can also have multiple orgasms. They are non-ejaculatory orgasms generally. Uh, Why? Well, because when a man does ejaculate, there, He will generally lose his erection, and then there's a refractory period, which is a certain amount of time, roughly 20-ish minutes or so before he can achieve another erection. So that generally means the end of penetrative sex in that case. However, orgasm and ejaculation in a man are two separate acts that generally occur at the same time, unless you learn how to separate them. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you absolutely know this already because I talk about it all the time. So if as a man, you can learn to separate your orgasm from your ejaculation, then you would start to realize that you can have orgasms all along the way, especially if you're doing, you know, sort of longer, more tantric, for lack of a better word, lovemaking, that type of lovemaking where you go for long periods of time and you ride those waves of orgasmic bliss, both hers and yours. So if that's the case, then having an orgasm certainly isn't the end of sex for a man either, right? So whether he's using, you know, hands, mouth, toys, or he's learned to separate his orgasm from his ejaculation, uh, either way, Orgasm does not mean the end of sex. And if you're sitting there going, Ooh, how do I separate my orgasm from my ejaculation? Well, you can either get in the Power and Mastery course, because we teach that, or you can sign up for coaching with me at kevinenseline.com. So those are a couple of ways that you can learn how to do that if that is of interest to you. Okay, so I think I've thoroughly busted myth number one. Orgasm is certainly not the end of sex. And number two, ooh, this is a good one. This actually came from the same colleague, and it is, it's not good sex unless you have an orgasm. This is definitely one that you will hear. Now, I would say that women tend to know this is a myth more so than men. Because a lot of women have had partners throughout their life that they didn't really orgasm from, but they still enjoyed the sex enough that they would want to have sex on a regular basis, and then they would achieve their orgasm another way, usually a vibrator or something like that. Another thing that's really important to understand about you know female orgasm is that it is different it is from one time you have sex to another from one moment during your lovemaking session to another her, her orgasm could be completely different she might have clitoral orgasms or g-spot orgasms or cervical orgasms they might be really powerful and feel explosive they might be more implosive. They might be just small waves or they might be huge climaxes. They can be all over the place. And so to say that it's not good sex unless you have a specific type of an orgasm just doesn't make any sense. Okay, again, speaking of the women in this case is easier because I think most people understand, at least to some extent, That women can have a lot of variation in their orgasms and still consider it great sex even if they didn't have some giant explosive you know orgasm uh, slash climax so but what about the guys this is this is where you really hear this one it's like guys will say if i didn't ejaculate that wasn't good and they'll say that about anything whether it's receiving a blowjob, a hand job you know uh, intercourse itself too many men focus on the destination, which is the ejaculation. And they think that it's just not good if they didn't ejaculate. That is absolutely not true. And if you've learned to have the kind of sex where you can go for long periods of time and ride multiple waves of orgasm, both hers and yours, uh, you would know that that's simply not true. I have had amazing many, many times, amazing lovemaking sessions where I never ejaculated, but I had multiple orgasms. And even if I didn't, it was still great sex. It was still amazing. But, you know, I mean, I've, I've, had, I've had lovemaking sessions where, you know, by the time I'm done, I feel that same sort of feeling as if I had a big... Uh, ejaculatory or orgasm, meaning I felt like I moved a ton of energy, and I was, like, dizzy, and like, whoo, you know, like, you all know that feeling that, that I'm conveying, and yet I never had an actual ejaculation. So, yeah, this idea that your sex as a man has to end in an ejaculation in order for it to be good simply is not true. Now, of course, the title of this is, uh, this particular one is, uh, It's not good sex unless you have an orgasm. So, part of the reframe here is that ejaculation and orgasm are two separate things. Uh, So, but most, you know, average person would consider them to be the same thing. And that's kind of why I'm talking a little bit more about from the man side thinking that you have to ejaculate in order to have great sex, in order to feel sexually satisfied. It's just simply not true. If you learn to have, The right kind of sex. And you know, it's interesting because some people aren't really interested in having that kind of sex. They're perfectly happy with their, you know, seven minute ejaculatory sex. Okay. If that is you and you're listening to this and thinking, who cares? I mean, my seven minute ejaculatory sex is great. I would say be open to the possibility that you could experience something a whole lot better a whole lot more powerful. So however good you think your seven-minute ejaculatory sex is, I am asking you to keep an open mind that you may be able to experience something significantly more powerful. All right, so that is myth number two. Myth number three is an interesting one. This is one I got from searching the interwebs there. There is such a thing as a sexual peak. So th- there's a bunch of sort of sub-myths associated with this particular myth. And they're things like men and women hit their sexual peak at different times. They'll say that men reach their sexual peak in their later teenage years to early 20s and women in their mid-30s. Um, and there's, there's others too, but you get the idea that that there's... A point in time in your life where you hit the pinnacle of all that sex can be, and then it's all downhill from there. And most people will put that sexual peak at a relatively young age. Now, I can tell you now that I am a very, very, very short distance away from 50 years old, I can tell you that this is just nonsense, complete nonsense I can't even begin to describe how much better sex is now than when I was in my 20s and how much better at sex I am now than when I was in my 20s to say that I hit my sexual peak in my 20s and it's been downhill since there is ludicrous <laughs> And I know that this is true for many other people, too. I have talked to a lot of women in my age group who are, you know, in and around that menopause time of life. Uh, Some are post, some are in the middle of, and they, many of them will say the same thing. The sex just keeps getting better, better, better. Uh, so yeah, this idea that there's this thing called a sexual peak, and that you hit it when you're really young, and that your sex just isn't ever going to be as good the rest of your life, is nonsense. And I'll tell you this: if that has been your experience, that the best sex you were having was in your twenties or thirties, and it's been downhill since then, it's not because you hit a sexual peak, right? It's that it's not. You it's not because you hit a sexual peak. There is something else happening, uh, and that could be a lot of different things, and this is a lot of what I work with with clients when I'm coaching them, is figuring out, okay, where have you sort of gotten off track when it comes to your sex life, and how do we get you back on track? There's lots of potential reasons for that, but it's not because of any sort of sexual peak that's timed and biological, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, sometimes people believe this one because they will equate it to peak hormone levels. And it is true that, let's say, for instance, with men, you know, our testosterone peaks by age 30, and then it is actually a bit of a downhill ride from there. But how much downhill and how fast downhill depend on a lot of factors that have to do with your health. And even still... My personal experience is that the quality of the sex that I have now, and I know at this age my testosterone is not as high as it was when I was younger, and I'm not, I'm not on TRT or anything like that as most of the men my age are these days, um, I can tell you that the quality of sex uh, and my desire for sex, my desire for sex is just as much as it was when I was younger. Um, the quality of sex that I have at this age is significantly better than when I was younger. So, yeah, you can take the idea of a sexual peak and throw that one right out the window. Busted! (laughs) All right, let's move on to our next myth. Condoms make sex less enjoyable. This is an interesting one. I was actually having this conversation recently with somebody. and uh, you know, I was just relating my personal experience with condoms. I've had periods in my life where I used condoms all the time and periods where I didn't use them at all. And I would say that while you can feel a difference, if you're really good at moving your sexual energy and your partner is also really doesn't make a difference. You can still have amazing, spectacular, super powerful, highly energetic sex, even with a condom. And to back that up, there was actually a study done at the Indiana uh, University that found that people rate sex with condoms equally as pleasurable as sex without condoms. And that's kind of why I wanted to include this one in the myths, because I have personally heard men say this, that sex is not as good with condoms. And I have actually heard more often women saying that they are pressured into not using condoms by men because the men claim that the sex just isn't good for them with a condom on. That, uh really isn't true. It's not true from my own personal experience. And uh, apparently, according to Indiana University, their study says that that is not true as well. So there you go. Don't worry about sex being less pleasurable with using condoms. Now, some men will actually use condoms to reduce the sensation in their penis so that they can last longer And, you know, depending on what condoms you use, if you get some really big, thick, heavy ones, or a lot of times you'll hear guys say that they use two, okay, in that case, if you're really making it thick, you might reduce uh, some of the sensation, but in general, if you're using, you know, modern condoms uh, and you're only using one of them, it should not have a significant impact at all. You know, sometimes men will claim that they're not comfortable. That's another big reason why they will say this. And if that's the case, then find a condom that works for you. Uh, You know, sometimes guys claim that, you know, unless they have a magnum, it's just too uncomfortable. I don't know. I'm obviously not one of those guys that has a penis that big, although, I mean, magnums work fine for me, but... I don't find non magnums to be uncomfortable, they're tighter, yeah, (laughs) but I don't find them to be uncomfortable to the point where they're reducing the pleasure of sex, so um, I I just think that's nonsense, unless maybe some guy is really large, okay, sure, maybe, in that case, just find condoms that actually work for you, that actually fit. All right, next, this is kind of a funny one. Race is a good indicator of penis size. Of course, you hear this all the time that certain ethnicities tend to have larger penises than others. You will hear this myth uh, used or, or talked about frequently. I can tell you from my own personal experience, having spent many, many years hanging around at nude beaches at... Uh, And, you know, obviously, as being a guy, you know, we spend a lot of time in locker rooms, this and that. I know you're not supposed to be looking. We try not to look because it's just creepy, honestly. (laughs) Um, But nevertheless, you end up seeing a fair amount of penises, of course, also. You know, Celine uh, worked with a lot of men over many years as a sexological body worker, so I have her experience as well, and I can tell you that race is not a good indicator of penis size, that penis sizes are all over the board regardless of what race you are, and to back that up, there is a study from the Porterback Clinic Royal Hampshire Hospital and St. James Hospital that found a man's physical endowment had absolutely nothing to do with his race, creed, or color. It has much more to do with the haphazard toss of the genetic die, as they said. Basically, what it means is your genetics will determine that, but it has nothing to do with what your race is. So there you go. Um, That one is is actually one that you hear a lot, so it's kind of fun to to bust that sex myth. Okay, so yeah, that one and this next one, even the condom one is kind of short. These are kind of like quick ones that are pretty easy to to bust, and we'll get into some uh, deeper ones uh, after the break. But the next one is, certain sex positions can prevent pregnancy. I put this one on here because you also sometimes hear that certain sex positions will increase the chances of pregnancy. And according to everything that I have read on this subject, the answer to that is nope. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't have an actual study to quote here, uh, which I should have uh, grabbed one of them, but anyway... Basically, the research has shown that it doesn't really increase or decrease it in either way, that if you're putting a penis into a vagina and you are ejaculating, then basically the chances are about the same regardless of what position you're in. So yeah, don't think uh, if you're in a certain position, you either can or can't any better than uh, another position. And you'll, you'll definitely hear this for people who uh, have been trying... To get pregnant and have been thus far unsuccessful. They'll try certain positions, figuring that they'll somehow get deeper in there. And uh, I would say you would be better off focusing your efforts on the timing. So a lot of times people think just have as much sex as you can, just ejaculate inside her as often as you can. But remember, it takes a certain amount of time for sperm to develop in the testes, and so if you're constantly uh, ejaculating. Uh, The quality of the sperm coming out each time is going to be less and less unless you give yourself some time. So you want to give yourself some time. You also want to time it with her cycle so that she is for sure in that fertile window. Uh, And then, of course, also make sure that the health of both of you is really good. A lot of times this has far more to do with your health than anything else like position. So those would be areas, if you're trying to uh, get pregnant or potentially prevent it, that would be far uh, better to focus on uh, than the position. And of course, obviously, if you're trying to prevent it, you would want to know where she is in her cycle. You would want to make sure that you are using some sort of birth control method, preferably a reliable one. So yeah, Uh, sex positions do not prevent or increase the chances of pregnancy. All right, next one. The only way to orgasm is via the clitoris. Ah, All right, here we go. This is the one that sparked actually this episode. So somebody did comment on one of my YouTube videos, and the comment was that the only way for a woman to orgasm is via the clitoris and to focus on stimulating the clitoris. Now, they were correct in so far as saying that the clitoris is much more than just the little bit you see sticking outside. If you've uh, watched our episode that we did on this show, uh, The Truth About the Clitoris, I don't remember what episode number that was, but we did sort of a deep dive into the clitoris, and we had a 3D model, which we showed you what it actually looks like with the legs and the head and all of that. So, They were correct in talking about that and the different ways that you can stimulate the clitoris. However, there is such a thing as a G-spot. It is highly pleasurable. And for women who are really in touch with their body, they can feel the difference when they have a clitoral orgasm versus a G-spot orgasm versus um, a cervical orgasm. So, you know, there are different places inside the vagina that can get highly stimulated and trigger an orgasm that aren't necessarily clitoral. So uh, yeah, don't get sucked into the fact that the clitoris is the only way that a woman can have an orgasm. Women's orgasms are very varied. They can be triggered by a lot of different things. And again, a woman who really knows her body and can feel the difference will tell you very clearly that orgasm did not come from my clit. That came from my cervix or my G-spot. Another interesting note I, I have found about that is that not every woman is really clear on Was it a cervical? Was it a G spot? Was it a? Most women will know the the clitoral, but they'll say, "Why? I don't really know. I had an orgasm, but I'm not really sure what it was." It sometimes takes them a little while to to be able to realize, "Oh, oh, oh, that was G spot. I get it." Or that was, you know, cervical. I would also say and this is just my personal opinion so ladies you can correct me if I'm wrong but it seems to me that it's a little easier for women to tell the difference between say a clitoral and a cervical than it is a clitoral or a g-spot and I think this just depends on the women but I'm guessing it's because physiologically the cervix and the clitoris are further apart and so it's just easier to tell that that's where it originated from. I don't know if that's I mean, it's not true for all women, but I've, I've heard that before that like, oh yeah, I know that was a cervical one. And then you say, well, that, you know, do you have G-spot orgasm? I'm not really sure, maybe I do, you know. But in either case, uh, the clitoris certainly is not the only way uh, to trigger an orgasm. Interestingly enough, you know, people who have, uh, say, been paralyzed and don't feel, don't have any sensation from the waist down, uh, they have been trained to orgasm from stimulation to other parts of the body that, say, aren't even related to the genitals. Uh, so, you know, if that is true, which it actually is, you can, you can go read the, the research on that. Then, obviously, the clitoris cannot be the only way to trigger an orgasm. All right, so there you go. That's the first seven myths busted. Going to take a short break, and then we'll come back with some more. Hey guys, you know what makes a man great. You know the kind of masculine man that women are irresistibly attracted to and want. Is it money, job title, his physical body, being great in bed, a big penis, great pickup lines, or something else? What if you don't have those, or only some of them? What if you've had a string of failed relationships, are embarrassed by your bedroom skills, doubt whether you can rise to the occasion, worry about lasting long enough, or are always stuck in the friend zone. I can help you if you're ready to make big changes and finally become the man you have always wanted to be. Then this is the program for you. To find out more, please go to kevinandsaline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. That is kevinandsaline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. Of course, that is my men's sexual mastery coaching program. And it is, I personally think it's fantastic, the ability to really work one-on-one with men and really figure out what's going on with them and dial in the practices, the techniques, the um, confidence that they themselves specifically need is super powerful and uh, you know anybody that's been through that program already knows that. And if you haven't been and you are needing help and support in any of these areas, please go to kevininsleen.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. All right. Next myth. I can't believe we didn't cover this next one in the first episode we did, but I went through and made sure that all of the myths I'm talking about today were not covered in the original episode. And this one was not there, So, which I find weird. <laughs> anyway, the myth is that masturbation is bad for you. I'm sure you all heard this when you were younger. You heard it would cause blindness, hairy palms... Uh, impetus later in life, erectile dysfunction, penis shrinkage, penis curvature, low sperm count, infertility, mental illness, physical weakness. You've heard it all. All of the terrible things that would happen to you if you dared to touch your genitals on your own. Obviously, none of that is true. Interestingly enough, most people figured out relatively young in life it wasn't going to cause blindness or hairy palms because they had been masturbating quite a bit and they weren't blind and they didn't have any hair on their palms, (laughs) but they were probably still somewhat concerned about things like impotence, erectile dysfunction, uh, penis curvature, that sort of thing. Uh, You don't have to worry about that. It absolutely will not cause impotence or erectile dysfunction, uh, or curvature, unless you physically damage your penis through really rough masturbation. So I have to put that caveat in there because I am absolutely amazed sometimes at how rough men are with their penises. And you you don't see this with women. You don't see women getting super rough with their clitoris, right or with using, say, uh, internal stimulation just, women seem to be gentle on their genitals. And so many men are like, I, I, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but I know what one of the things that Celine used to do, it was masturbation coaching, where she would literally, you know, get on a Zoom call with a guy and teach him how to masturbate properly. Obviously, they had identified that something was not working for them. And part of that was, okay, let me see what you do. Like, Show me what a typical masturbation session for you looks like. And I just, I remember hearing some of the stories from her. She's just like, I can't even believe what some of these guys are doing to their penises. (laughs) So first of all, if you're doing something like that really rough, stop it. There's no need for that at all. Uh, and second of all, that could potentially cause some damage to the physical structure of the penis and could potentially cause things like Peyronie's disease, which is the, you know, curvature of the penis. Um, you could potentially have some erectile dysfunction if you damage the vessels that, that uh, you know, um, fill the penis up with blood. So just t- don't do any of that. But normal, healthy masturbation will not cause any of those issues. Uh, I do want to say that the physical weakness one, which was the last one I read there on the list, that is only true if you masturbate a lot, if you ejaculate every time, and if you do not take the time to build up the energy in your masturbation practice. So, uh, you know, the, the Taoists have a whole chart about how many times you should ejaculate, and it's by age, and the older you get, the less you should ejaculate according to Taoist teachings. They have that because they say that ejaculation depletes you of energy. And it does to a certain extent. This is why, you know, you have that other sort of myth about once the guy ejaculates, all he wants to do is roll over and go to sleep. Well, because he does feel energetically depleted if he hasn't taken the time to build up the energy. So if you're having that five to seven minute sex that always ends in an ejaculation, then yes, you probably do feel depleted from that and want to go to sleep. But if you've learned to uh, last a lot longer than that, you can build up a tremendous amount of energy throughout your entire body that even when you do ejaculate, you don't feel that sense of depletion. So that physical weakness is no longer an issue there doesn't matter if it's masturbating or if it's making love with an actual partner. As long as you're taking the time to build up the energy, you won't experience the physical weakness. And I just want to point out also that not only are the, uh, you know, the sort of uh, downsides of masturbation not true, there are actually positives, things that are good from masturbating. So one of the things they say is there's no such thing as too much. That is largely true unless you're excessively ejaculating and depleting yourself or it's somehow getting in the way with you getting your life done, with your work, with your sex life, with other people. So if it's interfering in a negative way with anything like that, then obviously there is such a thing as too much. But as long as it is not interfering... Uh, then technically there's no such thing as too much. In a sense, it's not going to harm you physically in any way. But there are some benefits like stress reduction, uh, the release of tension, enhanced sleep quality, uh, boosts concentration, elevates mood, relieves menstrual cramps, alleviates pain, improves sex. So those are all things that can potentially happen with a healthy use of masturbation. Like anything in life, right, there is a healthy use of it and an unhealthy use. You could use water in a healthy way, meaning that you're drinking enough water every day to not be dehydrated. But you could be so focused on making sure that you're drinking enough that you drink too much water, which could actually deplete your body of necessary minerals and nutrients that you need. So uh, like anything, you can... uh, use it appropriately, or you can use it inappropriately. And as long as masturbation is used appropriately, uh, it is certainly not bad for you and actually does have benefits. I can't believe we didn't include the masturbation myth in the first episode. I guess probably just we had so many already that (laughs) we didn't have time for any more. Okay, Number nine, this is one that uh, is a a personal sort of pet peeve of mine, and I still have people arguing with me on this all the time. What is number nine? There is such a thing as blue balls. You hear guys say this all the time. Oh, man, if you don't finish me off, I'm going to get blue balls. Still, it's 2023, and there are still men out there saying, if you don't finish me off, I'm going to get blue balls. This is ridiculous. Blue balls do not exist. Now, they don't exist from a very uh, obvious reason, which is that your balls do not turn blue just because you got really turned on and you didn't ejaculate. It doesn't happen. Now, I understand what men are talking about when they are describing blue balls and they'll describe sort of a, a painful feeling. But the reality is this. What that is is a buildup of sexual energy only in your genital area. These are people that haven't learned to move that sexual energy throughout their body, and so the energy builds up down in the genitals so much that they either feel a discomfort or they have to release it. And that is really what they are calling blue balls. But blue balls don't really exist Your balls aren't going to turn blue, and as long as you learn how to move energy, you're not going to have any discomfort down there either. So there you go. Feel free to argue with me in the comments if you want. I know somebody will, but I'm telling you, as somebody who has had a lot of sex without ejaculating, who has had hours-long sex, Selena and I have talked about this on the show. I think our record was somewhere around five or six hours straight of penetrative sex. Didn't get any blue balls didn't ejaculate. So uh, yeah, but I can remember being very, very young and uh, feeling that discomfort because I hadn't yet learned how to move energy. So there you go. No such thing as blue balls. So get over it. Stop using that as an excuse. (laughs) All right, next one on the list. After a certain age, sex is no longer important. This is interesting because uh, you hear this a lot. We did a, a variation of this in the previous episode, which was the, the myth that older people don't have as much sex. And uh, we had some stats in there too that, that bust that myth pretty good. Older people are still having plenty of sex. doesn't mean they all are you know, but they certainly could be if they wanted to be, if they could get all the other stuff out of the way, the mental stuff, the, the you know, uh, resentment towards their partner, the health problems. If they could get all that stuff out of the way, they could be having just as much sex as people who are significantly younger than them. So while some people believe that a decrease in libido is a natural part of aging, a loss of sexual desire can be related to a number of other factors, including hormone deficiencies, depression, anxiety disorders, Side effects of medications, changes to a relationship, communication barriers, or loss of spouse or partner. Basically, there's a whole bunch of stuff that can get in the way, which I just talked about. But if you remove those things, then it doesn't really matter what age you are. You can be having plenty of sex. One of the cool things about doing what I do for a living is I get to talk to a lot of people. And we've had quite a few... Uh, older people who work in this field who are either couples, or well, I mean, they're generally couples, but not always, um, who talk about the fact that they have really fantastic, abundant sex lives and they're in their 60s and 70s. I, I had. A neighbor, actually, who was in his 80s who still had an abundant sex life. He was absolutely hysterical and he used to tell us about it all the time. I think he used to like to try to make Celine blush, which, of course, never happened because I can't imagine what you could think of in the realm of sexuality that actually would have made Celine blush. But he used to enjoy telling us stories about his sexcapades. I think it was around 85 at the time. So, yeah, I mean... Sex is just as important regardless of uh, your age, how old you are, and really what tends to get in the way is life, you know, other life stuff. So it's, it's not so much the fact that we are a certain chronological age. It's more that as we get older, we let more life things get in the way. But if we get those things out of the way, we can still have a wonderful and fulfilling and abundant sex life. All right, number 11. Viagra and oral medications can treat erectile dysfunction. All right, I have to admit, there's, there's two reasons why I put this one on the list. Number one, it is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. And number two, uh, it's because this is one of the things I teach. <laughs> so to be completely transparent about that. But okay, why is it a pet peeve of mine? Because I've heard. a a significant number of men saying that, why do I need to do the work when I can just take a pill? To which, of course, I always respond, taking a pill does not solve the underlying problem. It's just a quick fix and a temporary fix, by the way. And so my recommendation always is, hey, you should really work on solving the underlying problem one, because that's going to help you in a lot of other ways. And two, you won't be relying on a medication anymore. So that's kind of why it's, it's a, a pet peeve of mine is because I do hear men talking about the fact that all they have to do, well, whatever, you know, I can't achieve an erection. So all I got to do is just get the pill. No, there are cases and scenarios and situations where that might be the right fit. And a lot of the times it's not the right fit. Maybe it's something you use interim while you're working on solving the underlying problem, but it's not something that you should just go, oh, well, that's the solution. I'm just going to stick with that for the rest of my life. So the other reason why I put this on the list is because teaching men how to achieve erections naturally without the need for things like pills or pumps or other various techniques is one of the things that we teach you in Power Up Your Erections which is part of the Power and Mastery series so you can either purchase Power Up Your Erections by yourself like by itself uh, as just a standalone course or if you purchase the full sexual mastery program it comes with both Power Up Your Erections and Master Your Ejaculation and as you heard at the beginning of the show we are on version 3.0 which is the best version to date it just keeps getting better so yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I put this on the list because it is a myth. It is something I hear. It is something that sort of irritates me every time I hear it because I know it's not true. And I have solutions for you. And those solutions are at powermastery.com or at kevinandsalene.com. So go check those out. Just keep in mind that these things do not treat the underlying condition. They only temporarily alleviate the symptom. That's the best way to put it. Okay, one more sex myth to bust on this episode, and that is great sex will just happen naturally. I had to put this on the list. I I saw this written uh, on the internet. I I didn't even read whatever their explanation was on it because it means something to me very specifically, and it just was... uh, It just prompted me to to want to talk about this. So great sex will just happen naturally. I can't tell you how many times in response to telling couples you need to schedule a date night, the response that I get back or that Selena and I used to get back was, oh, I don't wanna do that. It ruins the spontaneity and it's just, it's not as fun and blah, blah, blah. And I say, okay, so you want it to be spontaneous. How's that working out for you? How frequently have you had sex? Why are you here working with me if this is such a great strategy for you? The reality is, is great sex doesn't just happen for a couple of reasons. In that particular case, as I was just discussing, you have to make it a priority and you have to make sure that you set aside time, especially with the busy lives that everybody has these days. So just kind of winging it and expecting that spontaneously at some point you guys are going to end up having sex and it's going to be fantastic. Sure, it could happen, but the chances are significantly lower, significantly lower than if you actually said, hey, why don't we have a date night every week at this day, this time? Or even if you just say at the beginning of the week, okay, this week, date night, it's Wednesday night. At such and such a time, we're gonna set aside time. We're gonna make sure we have no distractions. We got somebody to watch the kids. We got all the works, that, like whatever you gotta get out of the way, you get it out of the way. The other thing, and this is the main reason why I wanted to talk about this one, is that, you know, we often treat sex the same way we do with, say, walking or breathing. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is, we take them for granted because, you know, we're born and we just do those things. Well, maybe not walking, but, but, but breathing, right? Uh, and then eventually walking and then eventually, you know, becoming sexual. The idea is that they're, they're just basic parts of what it means to be human. And so therefore, we tend to take them for granted, meaning we think we know how to do them because it's just part of being human. And the reality is, is that we don't know how to do them very well. Uh, just go people watch a little bit and just go to a public place and sit down and watch people walk around and see the way that people carry their bodies. If you've ever done anything like personal training or any sort of, you know, work in the posture slash, you know, chiropractic industry or anything like that, and you understand what good posture is and how to not hurt your body, you're appalled at what you see as people walk around. You're like, what are these people doing? <laughs> um and same thing with breathing. Most people really don't know how to breathe correctly. They breathe super shallow. They breathe only up here in the upper chest, not down from the diaphragm where they should be breathing. What? But they were born knowing how to breathe. How come they don't breathe right? Because they were never taught properly. And the same thing goes for sex. We think we know how to do sex because that's just part of being human. We know how to do the basic act. We know how to take a penis and put it in a vagina and make babies. Yeah, pretty much everybody knows how to do that. But most people don't know how to have really great sex, they haven't learned the techniques. They don't know that orgasm and ejaculation are two different things. They don't know how to be able to control their ejaculation. Women don't know how to really let go and just totally open up and and, and receive in the fullest way that they can receive. Sometimes women don't know that they can have more than just a clitoral orgasm. There's just so many things that people don't know about sex. Hence, I'm at episode 263 of this show, right? (laughs) Because there, there is actually a lot to know about it, just like anything else. And if you haven't taken the time to study it and learn it, then you probably don't know it. So, if you don't know how to make sex great, what do you think the chances are that you're going to have great sex? And furthermore, I would say this, that even if you haven't taken the time to study it and you're like, you know, my sex life is is pretty good, I'd say that I have great sex. I would say if you haven't really taken the time to really look at what's out there in the realm of sexuality, the possibilities out there, then you're probably shortchanging yourself. And whatever you think great sex is, it could probably be a whole lot better. In fact, I did an episode of this show just a few episodes back called This Is What Great Sex Is, Are You Missing Out?, Go listen to that if you want to understand what is truly possible in the realm of sexuality. That kind of sex doesn't just happen naturally. You need to learn a few things and you need to practice. So go check that episode out as well. All right, that was... Number 12, the last one I had on this list, if anybody has other myths that they want busted, drop them in the comments. I would love to hear them. I know there are a lot more out there. As I stated at the beginning of this show, I deliberately didn't talk about some of the ones that I find to be more ridiculous and and just plain silly and not worth talking about. But I'm sure that there are some others out there, so I would love to hear them in the comments. Tell me what your sex myth is, or at least one that you've heard. And uh, I maybe if there's enough of them, maybe I'll do another episode on that, or maybe I'll just answer you in the comments. Uh, I do appreciate when people comment on the videos and tell me their own experiences and their own stories. Uh, so that's really great. The only thing I ask in the comments is that you please at least be respectful If you are mean or hateful or derogatory in any way, you will get deleted and probably banned from the channel. Uh, It's okay if you have a different opinion than me, but just be kind about it. All right, everybody. That's all I have for this episode, and I will see you next week.